Today's program was brought to you by Union Beer. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. Hey, 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 I'm Jimmy Carboni from Beer Sessions Radio. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. And welcome to Foment About It on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm Mary Izette. Mr. Kuzme, my normal co-host, is in Australia for the next two episodes, two weeks. So I'm alone in the studio today. Um, This is a weekly program about all things fermented. We're live every Monday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can catch us live at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. And episodes are archived there as well as on Stitcher and iTunes. All right, I have a couple of announcements. First up, um, if you are a homebrew judge or steward or interesting, interested in learning more about how competitions work, the Homebrewers Association is having their annual first round of their national homebrew competition coming up. So um, there's a variety of looks like variety of locations and dates. Um, They start, actually, the first one's in Austin, Texas, the 13th through the 15th. Our competition in New York City is on March, the weekend of March 28th at Single Cut in Astoria, Queens. We are looking for judges as well as stewards as our most sites around the country, I imagine. So if you want to learn more about it, go to homebrewersassociation.org. Coming up in two weeks, well, actually a little less than two weeks, if you're in New York City, on Saturday, March 21st, Allagash Brewing Company from Portland, Maine, is having a Saison Day in collaboration with Threes Brewing. Um, It's going to be Saturday, March 21st from 2 to 5 p.m., and I will actually be there serving a Saison that I brewed specifically for the occasion. Um, I think I'm going to, I'm doing a split batch. Well, I've already made a Saison, but I'm going to do a, a split batch and um, and have two different flavor varieties. So I'm pretty excited about that. And I know that the other homebrewers that are there are going to be also brewing up some awesome stuff, as well as um, Allagash's new Saison will be available, and they're going to have a variety of other Saisons on tap. So that should be a good time. And the day after that, on a Sunday... March 22nd is Zach Shulman's Ferment Ferment Festival, and it is at the Brooklyn Free School. And uh, I will actually be giving a workshop there along with three other people. I'm going to be talking about short meads, um, but there's some great workshops. It's just a really amazing event. Uh, You're welcome to sign up and bring your fermented goodness, whether it be beverage or food, um, and share. And then there's also a culture swap. and that you can find out more information on that event at fermentferment.wordpress.com. I'm actually going to go home tonight, and I picked up some local honey, beets, and apples from the Green Market yesterday, the um, uh, East Village Green Market at Tompkins Square Park. And um, so I'll be making a beet shortmead to share with people at the workshop, as well as an apple pie shortmead. So I'm excited about both of the or both of those beverages. Okay, so tonight. I, uh, so we finally, the weather has finally broken here in New York City. It was actually in the 50s today, amazingly enough. Uh, absolutely gorgeous day. The snow is, and ice are both melting, and, and we're excited about spring. Um, so 
what better to talk about than what to drink this spring. So on the line, I have Anne Becerra. She's a certified Cicerone, amazing bartender, craft beer writer, and the new beer director at Tap Room 307 in the city in Manhattan. So welcome, Anne. Hi, Mary. Thanks for having me on. How's it going? It's going great. That just the little bit of weather we got today is getting me so excited for spring. I think we're all over it. None of us want to drink. None of us want to walk in snow and sludge anymore. And um, it's funny that we're talking about spring beers because I'm planning an event at Tap Room called "If You Pour It, It Will Come." All spring beers, just to say, you know, it's on April 1st, and we figured. If the weather's not good by then, it also falls on April Fool's Day, so the joke's on us. We'll be drinking spring beers, you know, in another cold week, but hopefully it won't get to that. Awesome. So um, so let's talk about what you're looking forward to drinking this spring. Well, it's funny because, you know, people love the word spring beer and they love seasonal, but for the most part, you know, with the exception of a very few small handful of styles, there's not really any kind of category for spring beer. What I personally end up going towards are more traditional things. Um, you know, I love the Schlenker La Lent beer, uh, the, the Dole Basquion, you know, these beers that are brewed traditionally for Lent or during, you know, for Easter to celebrate, and you kind of get on it where you just drink it every year and get really excited about it. Yep. Um, but my kind of, I guess, I don't want to say philosophy, I just am kind of thinking about it now, but I feel like with spring beers, I love the hybrids, you know, the big the hoppy wheat beers, the golden Weizenbox, things that kind of have a little more body and structure but are still a little bit refreshing and, and easy to drink. So kind of like the hoodies of beer. You know, beer yeah, is going to yeah, be like, yeah, yeah. you throw it on, <laughs> it can warm you up a little, but it's not too much, and it's just kind of that in-between time of year, which I think um, there's a lot of different beer styles that can fit that. Absolutely. Um, you know, yeah, you know the, my favorite, though, obviously, the, like Brian Stefaner, their Weizenbach, the Vetus, fantastic. I love Lagunitas Little Something Something, you know, things that have that, that refreshing kind of airiness to it that make you want to celebrate the warm weather, but just kind of, you know, give you a little something extra. Absolutely. And I'm going to ask you to, to describe some of these just because I love, um, of course, I love drinking commercial beer, but also as a home brewer, I love to think about, you know, kind of be inspired by commercial beers, but also just by, you know, seasonally brewing. So I think, you know, Talking a little bit more about some of these beers um, and why you love them would be absolutely great because I think it'll be both inspirational for to get out there and drink some absolutely amazing commercial beers, but also to get brewing for those of us that brew at home. So sure. let's. Well, I guess too. Yeah, the seasonal thing—that's a good thing to ma- to mention because you know, especially with brewing being able to be so controlled and you know being able to, I guess, import ingredients from all over the world. The idea of real seasonality isn't always you know, at the forefront. So when you look at something with a perfect example of, of who's doing it great is Sierra Nevada with their Southern Hemisphere, mm-hmm. um, you know, using something that's legitimately harvested this time of year, you know, the hops coming from New Zealand that are harvested in March and April, it's like those, the flavors that you get, you can only get them, you know, certain times a year. It's very indicative of the season. And it's, you know, or with different fruit beers. I was just in Florida and there was um, a brewery I was reading about. I didn't get to make it there but they infuse all their beers with local Florida citrus. And things that come up, you know, as the seasons are arriving and they use those, you know, fruits and grapefruits and uh, oranges and things to brew beers with that I think are really cool because, you know, you're actually using, again, an ingredient you'd find, you know, once a year. So that's something that I think the Sierra Nevada really 
is one of my favorites as far as legitimately seasonal. Mm-hmm. And then if we're talking about something just traditionally, my, like the Schlenker and Lent beer. Yeah, let's talk. Tell tell for those of people who haven't had it out there because it is it's a pretty limited release beer. Um, it doesn't make it to all markets. Tell t- describe that beer for for the audience a little bit. So it's a lighter. It's a very smoky uh, Rausch beer, and it's not a fully smoked malt. They do a combination of golden malts and some of the bigger, fuller bodied smoky beers. So you get that little hint of smoke, but it's not overly in your face and overly aggressive like a campfire. Get that real bready malt, the biscuity kind of uh, fresh baked bread, along with the smoky and honey flavors of the uh, the smoked malt, mm-hmm. which I think is great. Um, my box, box this time of year, originally brewed during Lent for, you know, to sustain as liquid bread, have that really, you know, fresh baked kind of caramelly nuttiness that, you know, again, are warming and rich, but not so much so that you can't you know, enjoy it outside on the deck yep. if it's a nice spring day. You know, just like you want to be able to combine all the elements that are going to keep you refreshed and keep you, you know, up fresh qualities of the beer, but still, you know, not so light that they go down right away. You still want to have a little bit more structure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and my box can be, I mean, they're traditionally German, but a lot of U.S. brewers are also brewing them. Do you have a couple favorites, either international yes, or American? I always excited for Victory. Trogues is um, releasing a new delicious box, which I think is on pre-order. We should be getting it taproom in the next couple weeks or so. Um, they do a lot of traditionally German style anyway, Victory Brewing in Pennsylvania. Um, amazing lagers, great pilsners, great duffel box, and, you know, very fresh as well. But they have a great box that I love every May. Awesome. And then let's talk about, because um, you had mentioned, you know, some hybrid styles. So like a hoppy wheat. Talk a little bit more about some of those that are your favorites or some of the characteristics about them, you know, for those who are thinking about, you know, brewing for spring. Sure. Um, Lagunitas little something-something is always one of my go-tos. Um, we don't get three Floyds distributed in New York City, but they're gumball head. You know, it's it's the sort of refreshing fruitiness, a little bit of the bubblegum, a little bit of the spice that comes from the wheat, but also the citrus, the piney, you know, the big kind of bitter hop character as well. Mm-hmm. So you don't feel like you're getting an aggressive hop kind of, you know, thrown at your face, which is always nice as well. But, you know, when you want something that's a little lighter and a little bit brighter, the use of wheat that kind of gives it that juiciness and that extra bit of spice and and kind of sweeter characters. Yeah, absolutely. Delicious. And I think that, I mean, a lot of those are, are kind of more lower alcohol strength. They're not, you know, they're not big um, imperial beers, so they're nice and refreshing. And then, I'll, actually, I think that if you're looking at it from a brewing perspective, really um, those wheat beers, I mean, you have a variety of, of yeast to choose from, so you could go more towards like a German wheat style or an american wheat and then of course Mm -hmm. yeah and then of course um the hops i mean you know aroma and flavor hops will change that beer so drastically there's so many options there a lot of fun to play with so much fun to play with and so great for pairings you know especially all the, the fresh greens and the produce and things that you're able to find in spring at the farmer's markets and now you have these you know citrusy bright kind of peppery you know, you get the pepper from the yeast extras and all these different things that you can play off the different foods available. You know, just kind of elevates the whole thing to the next level, which is really fun. You know, fresh farmer's market food is always great, but if you have a beer that's going to overpower it or that's going to, you know, kind of sink to it and disappear, it'll change the whole experience. Absolutely. And then what else, what are, would be some other hybrid examples that you 
that you mentioned? Maybe hybrid is maybe the wrong word that I could be using for some of these beers. But when I think about, for example, like, let's say the Weinstein Vitas, it's a golden Weizenbach. So you have all those big banana, clovey, vanilla flavors, you know, and it's rich and it's, you know, over 7.5%. I mean, it's not a meek beer by mm-hmm. any standard, but it's seemingly light. It's very refreshing while still giving that big body and that, you know, structure of a rich, strong box. Yeah. So I just like the idea of being able to get different elements from different, um, you know, ingredients and in different beer styles. And I guess that happens year-round. Again, it's, it's not something that's only done specifically for spring, but I feel like it's so appropriate in spring because the possibilities of food, the possibilities of weather, of weather excuse me, are so varied. Yep that it's nice to pull those in. Um, Boulevard, we just releasing, we're actually doing a release party on Wednesday. They have a hoppy wheat that I just had. I also work at Blind Tiger. It's delicious. It's Boulevard's example. I'm glad we're able to pour them now. Yeah, that's um, exciting. I know. I'm very excited. There's a lot of new things <laughs> coming to New York. A lot of new seasonals, I'm sure, that we're going to be getting this year. I mean, my gosh, the, you know, the logs in. I mean, there's so many new breweries that are hitting New York. It's Really, really exciting to see some of the seasonals that we're going to get for the first time. Absolutely, absolutely. What are some? I'm trying to think of some other spring seasonals that um, that I really dig that come out this time of year. I mean, like you said, we there's not the saison de Lent is always one of my yes. favorites from the brewery. Yep. So let's talk talk about that beer mm. a little bit. Yeah, the big, bright, sort of tart and and fresh, zippy. I guess you want to say flavors of the saison. Highly, highly carbonated. Um, you know, stone fruits and champagne-like carbonation that's just so drying and peppery and, and flavorful, um, but again, can cut through, you know, richer foods and can cut, you know, are perfect for chicken dishes, and they play off the herbs that are growing in spring so well. Um, you know, again, it's, it's almost celebratory. It's really easy introduction. I feel like um, saisons in general and farmhouse ales for people that don't think they like beer, you know, which I do with a lot. I don't like beer, and you try a saison or something that has that really refreshing spice spiciness to it. Yep. And next thing you know, they're converted. Oh, well, that doesn't even taste like beer. Well, it does. <laughs> you know, so it's always nice this time of year to get that really fresh, um, zippy, spicy qualities in beer that are really easy to sell at a bar yep. and easy to introduce people to. Yeah, and I think that both going back, you know, bringing in more of the homebrewing, wheat beers and saisons are two uh, styles of beer that are actually really easy to brew, even for beginners. Um, I think saison, I would say, you know, if you're beginning and you haven't had that much experience with saisons, I really love the the bell saison yeast, the dry yeast, and then the French saison yeast. I think those are a little bit easier to, to deal with. Uh, the Belgian saison yeast is also amazing, but a lot of times um, it can stall out, and it's a little bit trickier, so it just might need a little bit more kind of care and tending. Um, and then wheat beers are also extremely easy to, to brew um, as a homebrewer. And again, they, they give you a lot of flexibility, both, you know, both a saison and a wheat as far as, you know, hopping and... Uh, I mean, obviously, traditional saison is very, you know, is pretty straight up. Uh, although it does have, a, I mean, there's a variety of traditional saisons on the market, and they really do vary in, you know, aroma and flavor and body and kind of all of those things. But but flavor saisons, I think we're seeing more of as well. Yeah, and I think having the right vocabulary to decipher, you know, what people are looking for, or what people want to brew, or what is, you know, because to say saison is so, the possibilities, like you say, are 
so varied. Mm-hmm. You know, do you want to make something that's tart and crisp and refreshing? Do you want to make something that's a little on the sweeter side and a little more fruity and a little rounder? Or what is it that you're looking for? What hop characteristic? Do you want only aroma? Do you want it to bitter? You know, what what are you looking for in what you drink? And I suppose what you brew. Yeah. You know, and just kind of getting those. That's the fun part of it, though, right? You can oh, absolutely. Sort of any, any description under the sun whether you think it relates to beer or not, and we can find you something that works. Absolutely. In fact, I just uh, was, I think I mentioned this to you, I, I brewed a Saison recently for this, the Allagash Saison day that's coming up at Three's Brewing, and I ended up going with a really traditional Saison recipe, 80% Belgian pills, 20% wheat, um, and I use Bell Saison yeast, which I, that's a personal favorite of mine, um, mm-hmm. and then um, I actually used a very traditional, I used Strissel Spalt hops to, for bittering, because we had I kind of, we have a lot of hops at home in the freezer right now, so I, I, I based it. <laughs> I can only imagine what your place must look like 24-7. Um, and then um, I actually ended up um, adding mosaic hops, which are a really delightful, you know, very Ooh. kind of fruity hop, Yeah. Really kind of bold, and I ended up using those at Flame Out, so I'm super excited to see how that will work out. I think that um, the mosaic hops are really going to play off of that, you know, kind of fruitiness from the Saison yeast. Well, we've been drinking your homebrew for a really long time now, and I have all the confidence in the world. I mean, that that's one you guys did for for um, opening bash was fantastic. And it's cool, too, that you have the opportunity now. I mean, obviously, you're not doing that here with what you're going to be serving on Sunday, but you use these local hops and local ingredients that you can only find, you know, in New York right now. And yep. the things that are really about as local as you get, because everyone always talks about the local beers and local beers, and that's all fine and dandy, but if your ingredients are coming from all over the world, I mean, is it really that local? I mean, and I don't mean that as a diss. I just mean, you know, what does local mean? You know, and I think that it's so cool that now the more and more hop farms that are coming about and different, you know, grains and spices and things that we'll be able to experiment a lot more moving forward with real local traditional ingredients that are seasonal and that are only available in little bits of time, kind of get back that, that, you know, seasonality <laughs> you know, oh, no. that was always yeah. there. Absolutely. And it isn't anymore, especially Ab- in New York where you have access to everything Absol- 24-7. Yeah. You know, cool. Absolutely. So anything else that you would recommend? How about like ciders or a meat or anything like that that you, that you have been thinking about? I, yes. I have been obsessed with, well, there's so many great ciders that are coming on the market and I mean, just... Really incredible apple orchards are coming back, and even the bigger commercial ciders are kind of stepping up their game a little bit. But the um, the Foggy Ridge ciders from Virginia, I just can't seem to get enough of. Yeah, those are delicious. The Foggy Ridge, the, oh my gosh, the Aaron Burr. Um, there's so many different ciders coming from Aaron Burr cidery that I'm just over the top about. And it's something, they're so tart and dry and refreshing, and the heirloom apples that are not like what anyone would expect. And a lot of times I'll offer, you know, a really good cider to someone who's a complete beer geek and they look at me like I'm crazy, but it's like, no, trust me, <laughs> this isn't, you know, I'm not giving you a, a cup full of sugar. Like these, the serious cider from Foggy Ridge, I just, I could drink it every day. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Anne, for your recommendations. I hope that uh, this is inspirational for all of you out there. And not only, you know, thinking about maybe changing up some of your drinking habits for, um, for spring as well as brewing for spring. So thanks so much, Anna. And after the thanks commercial, I'm going to come back with um, Haley Jensen and Stephen Durley. And we're going to talk about beer cocktails and their move to Wilmington.
1996, Elknife & Son acquired Union Beer Distributors, which was originally located on Union Avenue in Brooklyn, but has since expanded to its present location alongside the English Kills Canal in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Union Beer has grown dramatically in the last decade as the primary distributor of Anheuser-Busch products for Kings County, Brooklyn, through the hiring and development of the best people in the industry. In 2003, Union Beer acquired a powerful catalog of specialty brands, which immediately positioned them as the craft beer supplier to accounts in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. Union perpetually tweaks their portfolio to maintain the highest level of stylistic breadth with the most coveted brands available. Through the highest possible level of service, outstanding salesmanship of the ultimate lineup of brands, and a paramount focus on education on all levels, Union Beer has solidified its position as the only source for the best selection of beers in the 14 counties of southeastern New York. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. Welcome back to Ferment About It on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. All right, so I think we have Haley Jensen on the line. Are you there, Haley? I am here. Yes, hello. Awesome. Welcome back to the show. So I think I was looking, and I think the last time we had you guys on, well, we had you on for episode 28. That was the first time. And then I think we had you back uh, sometime after that. So let me just kind of, well, I want to go into what, Two things. We're going to start by talking about beer cocktails. And what inspired this is that I was actually at a a great little restaurant called Fritzel's Lunchbox that's here in the Bushwick neighborhood. That's where our studio is. Bushwick neighborhood of Brooklyn. It's a really delightful Mm -hmm. place. And they had a they make their own kombucha in-house. So they have a a beer cocktail that combines Founders All Day IPA with their house-made Earl Grey kombucha. And I thought it was absolutely delightful. It was really nice and it made me think man you know and i know beer cocktails are somewhat controversial for people um but i really think that they have their place and who better to talk about beer cocktails than haley jensen so haley you are an absolutely amazing person you're a beer sommelier you've been at several places most recently taproom 307 where Anne has now taken over and you guys just moved to wilmington north carolina to start your own project so um yes I'm super excited. I mean, we miss you guys terribly, but um, we're also very, everybody here is super excited for you guys. So let's start by talking about you. beer cocktails. You've developed a lot of both beer and cider cocktails in your career. Yes. Um, I really love beer cocktails. Um, not as much for, you know, the tried and true beer geeks who are pros and know what they like. But I do think for the people who are just getting into beer or, you know, into cider and trying new things, it's a great way to bridge that gap. Maybe mm-hmm. they're not used to, you know, something without a straw or ice, and it's a little more familiar to them. Some people know that they like vodka or gin, for, you know, some, for example. And so if you say, hey, I have a really cool gin drink, and it actually has, you know, a little splash of beer in there, or cider, like, I just find that it's a lot easier for them to make that transition than to say, oh, yeah, you'd really love this Imperial Stout. They're like, whoa, like, I need my training wheels on. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but I came up with a few recipes really geared towards spring. Um, so I, I did this really great drink. Um, and I've served this one before. One thing that I always do during um, Craft Beer Week is a, a beer cocktail night. And I just think it's a fun way to showcase, you know, what's really seasonal or some really cool special edition beer, just like better ways to enjoy them. Mm-hmm. 
And this one I love for the spring. It's uh, called Lavender Limeade. And so what I do, um, I like to infuse vodka. It can be any vodka. Um, I like to infuse it with citrus. And I always experiment with limes, lemons, Meyer lemons, whatever you have around. And if you're short on time, you can just get a citrus vodka. Um, and then I like to do just a, a generous dash of lime juice and then lavender simple syrup. And all you need to do uh, to make lavender syrup is just hot water, sugar, and I like to use the dried lavender that you can get usually at any homebrew store. I know a lot of your listeners are familiar with homebrew ingredients, and lavender is out there. Otherwise, you can go and get it at most groceries. Um, and just infuse it. It, it, it. If you heat the water and sugar together and throw the lavender in, it, it does infuse the flavor really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just strain out, strain out the little flower buds. So it's just, again, citrus vodka, dash lime, dash of this lavender simple. And I like to do... Uh, like a nice floater of a wit beer on top. I think for spring, it's so citrusy and light and refreshing, and it really gives kind of a lemonade quality to it. So I love that drink. Awesome. That sounds um, delicious. Yeah, and it's just like with the floral notes, it really makes me think of all of the flowers starting to bud for spring, and it's just really refreshing and I think very approachable for someone who's not really a beer drinker. Right. Or, I mean, I think a lot of times when you're out, I mean, especially depending – if you're having, you know, a before dinner drink or something with dinner, I mean, sometimes it's hard to pick two things. So, you know, a beer cocktail kind of brings you the best of both worlds. Yeah. And that one looks really pretty as well. Like, it's got a, a really nice kind of lemonade look to it. So do, you, um, so do you recommend that people shake the or stir the vodka? The, the, no, um, this one, I, I think it actually looks its best in a mason jar with a bunch of ice and you just build the drink. Mm-hmm. And then garnish it with a lime wheel and uh, just a straw so they can kind of stir the flavors together. But yeah, I don't, I don't shake that one. Um, I did have a drink that I wanted to talk about that's super cool. A Negroni is a traditional Italian springtime drink. It has Campari, which is really seasonal for this time of year. And it's just equal parts of gin, of gin sweet vermouth, and Campari. Mm-hmm. But what I do is I actually dry hop it overnight. Oh, interesting. And so you're dry hopping I, with pellets. So you're, you make the drink, and then you add pellets? Yep, that's what I did. I, I've done this one before. I actually did a huge batch for a big cocktail party um, when I was still at Tap Room. And since the drink is equal parts, it's super easy. I just did a bottle of gin, a bottle of Campari, and a bottle of sweet vermouth. Mm-hmm. And then I took an ounce of pellets and dry hopped it overnight. And then just I strained it out when I got to work in the morning so that it was definitely nice and clear, like it didn't get too much of a haze or anything, because you don't want any of the particulates in there, because it does get quite bitter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you want to keep it a little lighter bodied and still have a little, like a nice fizz texture to it, I actually like to top it with a Pilsner, um, something with a little hop kick to it, just to kind of keep with that hoppy theme. Um, so, you know, you could do anything from Prima Pills to Pivo or to keep with an Italian theme. If you did the Kipo Pills, that'd be a really fun one. But just really springtime and really light and crisp, but still bringing in that hoppy element that, you know, so many people really love. Awesome. Yeah. So those are some of my suggestions. Do we have time for one more or would you like to go ahead and move on? Yeah, let's let's move on. I, I would like to say I thought, um, I think also cocktails, do you ever do any, have you ever done any beer cocktails that are, that don't have liquor in them that were just a combination of other flavors? Certainly, yes. Um, 
I find a lot of times mixing, there are different cocktails I've done with cider and beer together, and I think you get some really nice complexity there. I haven't done as much mixology with mead, but I Mm -hmm. can really see beer and mead working together. Um, And then just with especially citrus juices or infusions of different simple syrups that you can make, I really always suggest people to infuse simple syrups as opposed to spirits because you can really control it a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Alcohol infuses so quickly that sometimes the flavor gets too strong and you really have to use a lot of liquor to then tone it down. Right. So it's kind of, it can get to be a pretty expensive experiment, you know? Absolutely. Um, I like the idea of kind of mixing, you know, the beer and the cider because especially, or even adding, you know, some kind of simple syrups or other flavorings to beer. Because mm-hmm. as home brewers, I mean, you guys are home brewers too. Home brewers sometimes, like, you know, if you have a keg of beer or you have a whole, you know, five gallon batch of beer and you just get a little tired of it towards the end, um, or you know, you want to shake it up a little bit, I think that beer cocktails are are a great way to do that with homebrew. Yes. Definitely. And a lot of people and make, I, you know, other sorry, like you guys make ciders and beer and I do as well. So I think, you know, mix it up, even kombucha or cider. You know, if you are a homebrew and you're making multiple types of beverages, then it's a, also a good way to kind of combine some of the great stuff that you've made. So I think it's definitely worth experimenting for those of you out there that are multi-fermentation brewers. So Definitely. Yeah. So, all right, you guys have been, how long were you in New York City? Um, I was in New York City for just shy of eight years, and Stephen was there for six. Okay. And then you guys have been chef. Uh, Stephen is a chef. We're going to bring him on a little bit later. So he's a chef. You guys are both home brewers. Um, and mm-hmm. then, of course, you know, you're a beer sommelier. You've had a lot of experience um, in craft beer, you know, serving and, and you know, every just everything. Um so yeah. you've recently made a very big move to Wilmington, North Carolina to start your own beer business. So ta- let's yes. ask what, so, you know, I, I had talked to Stephen about this, about how you guys, you know, went step by step, kind of how you chose Wilmington. So when, when you guys decided you wanted to start your own beer business, talk a, a little bit about that process. Well, we had been just really successful in working for other people in New York City and had a blast. Like, I can't say enough good things about our time at Taproom. It was such a great learning experience. But we were looking to make that jump to becoming owners. And we had a good savings, but at the same time, it just wasn't really feasible for us um, in New York City. So we did some research down. We wanted to stay on the East Coast and... um Wilmington came up along with Charleston, the Virginia Beach area. So really, it was just a road trip down here. Um, and you guys were we looking to move somewhere, somewhere where beer was up and coming, where mm-hmm. we didn't want to go to like an Asheville, for example, where it was already so saturated. We wanted to find somewhere that was, you know, where it was going to happen, not where it had already happened, mm-hmm. you know. So that was kind of how we chose it here. And we just, we love the weather, we love the atmosphere. But um, should I go ahead and put Stephen on the phone to talk to you a little more about that, Mary? Yeah, let's switch it out, and we'll hear about the, how the project's going so far. Great. Perfect. Here he is. Hello. Hey, Stephen. How's it going? Great. How are you? Good. So um, you heard, obviously, Haley was telling me a little bit about how you guys chose Wilmington. So let's talk about what what you guys are doing, kind of the concept, and how you how that came to be. 
Well, we're opening up a basically craft beer and Mexican, kind of a new kind of craft beer infused Mexican food. Um, and we really want, we really love the downtown area. One of the things in our travels was we discovered that the downtown Wilmington really felt like a New York City neighborhood in the sense that it had a lot of like local, local small businesses and had a really great vibe. There was a lot of foot traffic. When you're going out at night, you'd see the taxis and you see all the bars and you really feel like uh, almost like, you know, like you're in a New York City neighborhood. So that was really great. That was a really big draw for us. Um, but one thing that we noticed that the downtown area lacked uh, was Mexican food. And, uh, you know, who doesn't like craft beer and eating a few tacos? Absolutely. So, so we really wanted to, to give them something that they were lacking um, and at the same time bring uh, a really large tap house to the downtown area. Right now, their craft beer is, um, you know, very popular. Um, but I think the most lines are like about 15 at, at most of the places. So uh, we wanted to bring 30 lines um, and really have a great rotating draft beer list. Well, at the same time, uh, incorporating a lot of that beer into the menu and into the tacos. Awesome. And then ultimately, you are interested in opening, you know, making a brewery a, a part of this, or that's at least an option. Is that correct? Yes, we would. Well, we do have dreams of doing um, doing a brew pub or mm-hmm. uh, opening a brewery. Um, you know, obviously, we couldn't afford it right out the gate, um, but we feel like this is kind of the first step in getting to that. Mm-hmm. And um, we would love to do a brewery project. There's so much space, and we've only been here three weeks, and already one new brewery has opened in that time. Wow! Yeah, and I think there's in, in kind of the in the area, not necessarily in Wilmington, but in some of the surrounding counties, um, there's like three or four um, more slated to open, um, you know, by the end of the summer. So it's really coming around in this area and really exploding. And, you know, areas where we've seen the beer, you know, already explode, we definitely noticed the trends, and that's one of the big reasons why we wanted to come to Wilmington, because we kind of wanted to be at the forefront of all that. Awesome. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's really interesting. I mean, it is it does take such a great amount of capital to open a brewery, and I think what you guys are doing. I mean, regardless of of what happens, I I really love the whole idea of your project, and I think it's a really great way to get something started, and then you know eventually you could go into the brewery, or you know there's a lot of different options there. So I think that's just a great example, and that you know, a lot of people can learn from that. Um, so let's talk about, I saw that you guys did your first backyard homebrew. Was that, that was yesterday, right? Yes. That was so much fun. I, I've had so much, uh, I've been so cramped in, in New York uh, trying to brew in our apartments um, that finally I had all this outdoor space to brew. It was like, it was a really incredible experience. Uh, I got to brew with propane for the first time, which is fun. And, um, I got to get out the hose, so I didn't have to worry about spilling stuff on the floor <laughs> or, you know, keeping everything super clean. I could just grab the hose and hose everything down. Um, I really liked the uh, – what I did was um, I went to Home Depot, and I got a bunch of the quick disconnects for the hose. Mm-hmm. And um, that really helped me out because I could go from the little sprayer, um, and I could just take that off of the sprayer, and I could connect it right to my um, – you know, my kettles and fill them up. And then I could take it off of that and I could attach it right onto my 
uh, wart chiller, and uh, then it just at any point I could detach it, add the hose attachment, and start spraying everything down. So that that made it really fun and easy, you know, compared to brewing in the apartment where you got to lug things over the sink and you know we had to bring we had to actually bring our you know 12 gallons of boiling wort um through the apartment into the bathroom so we could attach our chiller to the shower yes um because we didn't have you know good air good water pressure in the kitchen so that was really really fun time to get to do that so what'd you guys brew yesterday sorry what'd you guys brew yesterday uh, so we brewed our spring beer, Beer to Garden, which I know you've tried. Yes. It's a beer to guard that we make with caramelized honey and uh, 11 different herbs. And it really just brings that flavor of spring into the glass. And we, we're really happy with that beer. Awesome. Now, how'd you guys develop this kind of 11 herb and spice mix? Um, well, I think Haley was originally in, uh, inspired by the Groot beers. Mm-hmm. Um you know, the idea of, of adding a lot of these uh, herbs and stuff in lieu of hops. Um, <clears throat> and then also I noticed uh, when I worked at Jean George in the pastry department that we would caramelize honey on the stove, and it gave the honey this real kind of rich graham crackery um, note that almost would resemble like a biscuit malt or like an aromatic malt. Um, but at the same time, um, it's very, uh, it, it'll help dry out the beer. Um, so the beer feels, the beer finishes <clears throat> very low. I think it finishes around 10 of 6. Um, but at the same time, we notice that when you add the herbs, um, it gives the beer a certain percept- perceivable sweetness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we found that um, the combination of drying the beer out and adding the herbs kind of gave it that nice balance where the beer didn't taste overly sweet, um, but at the same time had like a nice little bit of sweetness to it from the herbs. Absolutely. That's, yeah, that's, it, that's a really a lovely beer. Um, and then t- how, how's the homebrew scene down there? I saw you guys had um, recently attended a homebrew competition, a local homebrew competition. Yeah, Front, Front Street Brewery, which is the, um, the oldest uh, brew pub in Wilmington. They've been around since uh, 1995, I believe. Um, they hold an annual uh, homebrew competition um, that keeps getting bigger and bigger every year. Um, they actually uh, they use the BJ- BJCP guidelines, but they break them. <clears throat> they kind of combine categories. Um, so they they brought it down to uh, six different categories. Okay. And so our Flanders Red and our Old Brune, because we didn't have a chance to brew anything down here, so we basically brought all of our sort of sour, old, you know, aging beers down here and uh, entered them all in, and they took first and second. So awesome. Congratulations. We're really happy. Yeah. Oh, thank you. That's great. Well, I wish you guys the best of luck, and I look forward to, you know, hearing how the project goes and hearing how it, you know, how everything's going in North Carolina. We'll definitely have you back on the show in a couple months for an update. Oh, thank you so much. And if anybody's down in Wilmington, yourself included, come visit us at Beer Barrio, and uh, we'll have a good time. Awesome. Well, we are definitely looking forward to it. Much love to you and Haley, and um, I hope to see you guys sooner than later. Definitely. Thank you so much for having us. Take care. You too. Bye, Mary. Bye. All right, so next week on uh, Ferment About It, next Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I'm going to have Zachary Shulman, the... um, creator of the Ferment Ferment Festival that will follow on, that will be on the following Sunday. 
Um, so tune in next week to hear all about Ferment Ferment Festival, how it all got started, uh, what's going to be, what happens there, and where it's going, and all kinds of good fermented goodness. So until next Monday, ferment about it. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. You've got yourself.